Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here with recruiting analyst Jared Hallis for another edition of the Edge Podcast here on BeaversEdge.com. Thanks for joining us this week. Week two of Oregon State football, Oregon State's home opener against Hawaii on deck this weekend. Jared, Oregon State dropped a close one in Purdue to open the season last week. It was a tough loss and one that we'll obviously get into, but what were just some of your first and impression first impressions and takeaways from the loss? It was a uh, it was a game, man, and it was a battle from uh, from the first quarter to the fourth. Obviously, not the outcome that neither of us expected uh, or obviously wanted, but again, uh, still a really good game. Not one that you should really hang your head about. Long season ahead, so uh, a lot to off of, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they play this week. Absolutely. And again, you know, just going back to that Purdue game, you know, it's it, it was a tough loss for Oregon State in the game that, you know, you and I both pegged the Beavers as winners going in last week. And and I really thought that that was a winnable game. I mean, you look at, you know, where Purdue stacked up in the Big Ten and, you know, despite their they, they have they have some good players and executed well, I thought it still was a winnable game. And, you know, for me, um, that that game was lost with, you know, offensive play calling and execution as, you know, I, I just don't think the offensive game plan was super sound and tight going into that game. And on the flip side, Jared, who would have thought that, you know, after week one, we'd be sitting here saying, well, Oregon State's defense, they gave them a chance to win in that game. That's, that's you know, tangible progress. And, you know, to flip it on its head and, you know, look at the sunny side up, the defensive performance, I think, is really something they can build on. And we'll get into it a little later in the podcast when we talk about our keys to the game. Uh, against Hawaii but just Jerry what were your initial impressions just from that defensive output uh, in week one it was a, it was a pretty performance from the defense you know like you said they kept themselves in the game and it gave the offense to, to go out there and seal the deal uh, again unfortunately that's not the way that, that things went but they, they did play really well I was impressed with uh with you know how well they played against the run not that Purdue was really good to be a you know a dominant running team by any means but they played really well against the run uh I mean third down conversions they they stood up to, so I was I was happy to see that and again I think there's a lot to to build off of from from what you saw there and I think they're going to do that this week certainly and I think I think the secondary is maybe an area that needs to tighten up a little bit you know you saw David Bell get behind the defense and also um uh, their tight end as well get behind the defense for some bigger plays and I think that's also on Oregon State's linebackers a little bit to, to kind of cover in space. But, you know, Jared, going back, last thing I'm going to kind of say on the defense, the defensive line, you know, you could argue, Jared, that there has not been a position group that has been more, you know, on the eyes and on the forefront of Beaver fans' mind than the defensive line these last three years. And from what I saw, from what you were able to see, and now what we're hearing, you know, from our subscribers and just, you know, those around, a lot of people came away saying, okay, defensive line, not bad, not bad. And and to be honest, that, again, huge step in the right direction. I mean, just from where we were a couple of years ago, heck, even last year. I would say I would say it's not even an argument, you know, talking about yeah. it, it, position group. They were number one in, in my eyes. And yep. uh, I agree, man. I think it was really good to see them play the way they did and prove that, you know, the, the staff's able to develop players because the, the – the thing we've seen the most of is just that they've not been able to recruit the position super well. Um, but they're showing that, you know, with the, with the guys that they have, they're able to develop them and, and turn the line into a, into a solid 
unit? Yeah, more than anything, I think it just took time, right? I mean, you know, the the not so not so funny running joke is that you know Jonathan Smith, I think, had two or three scholarship defensive linemen when when he got here in 2018, and it's been an uphill battle since. I mean, the Beavers have had to, like you said, it's been not exactly a linear growth process as far as recruiting that position. It's been a little up and down, tried to get a few guys through the transfer portal, didn't necessarily work out, and so on and so forth. But they took guys who were, as you and I have described in the recruiting trail the last couple of years, Jared, kind of those real low-risk, high-upside guys where you're like, hey, you get in our system, you know, you put on some weight to your frame, you really work for two years, you could be a contributor. And, and I think that's what we're starting to see kind of come to the forefront now. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's definitely – a lot of, of production from a lot of different guys. And like you said, you know, the, the not so funny joke was that there, there wasn't a lot of guys. Again, it just speaks about their development and uh, it speaks to competency of, you know, the coaches and, and players as well. So a lot to be excited about from those guys. Most certainly. And again, uh, you know, just kind of putting a bow tie on Purdue, obviously, a, uh, you know, a disappointing performance, you know, on the offensive side. And, and I think that's something the Beaver offense has kind of owned this week. You know, we, we had interviews with uh, Brian Lindgren, uh, Tegan Quatoriano uh, earlier this week. And, you know, they kind of broke down what they were seeing and, you know, kind of some of the some of the inconsistencies. And, you know, it's often said a team will make the biggest adjustments from week one to week two. So I think that works in the Beavers favor uh, quite heavily there as well. But, you know, moving on this week to Hawaii. Jared, home opener, the first time – I'm just going to let you guess, just, just for the sake of it. It's been over 600 days, but less than 700 days since Oregon State has had a home game with fans at Reeser Stadium. Do you want to take a crack at it? You said over 600, less than 700. Yeah, you got it. So, I don't know, 620? 665 is how many days it's been since Oregon State last faced Arizona State in Reister Stadium, Senior Day 2019. They finished that year with two games on the road, so it was even earlier in November. And by the time Saturday comes around, 665 days. Man, it – I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited for Beaver fans that are going to be able to be there. I mean, I got to go to a couple games last year, and as I mentioned on this podcast and, you know, previous ones, you know, numerous times – the atmosphere just wasn't the same. It felt, you know, really subdued. It kind of felt like it, you were watching an exaggerated scrimmage that happened to be, you know, televised. And I think having fans back in the stadium, it, it's going to be a, a goosebumps type feeling, Jared. Absolutely. Just again, 665? 665. I mean, that <laughs> – that's just way more than I would have guessed. That is an insanely, insanely long time. There's no doubt that uh, it's going to be a different environment in there. And I, I certainly am excited just for the players. And, you know, they, they deserve to have people like that, you know, so in, in, in loud from, from the stand. So I'm, I'm excited to see it. It should be a really good turnout uh, and should, should be a win for, for Oregon State, too, in front of the fans for the first time in almost two years. That's wild. <laughs> Yeah, it, it really is like you, like before you and I jumped on the podcast, we'll peel our curtain back a little bit here. We were kind of, you know, researching this and we're like, okay, how many days has it been? And, you know, we were looking back and Jared and I, you know, had a moment where we're like, 
oh yeah, that that's how they closed out the year. We feel like 2019 was forever ago, and I'm sure everyone else feels the same way. Jared, 2019 feels like five years ago. Like, no, no wonder no. that like when the Oregon State coaching staff this week was said, you know what, you know what can you draw from that game in 2019? And I think just about every coach this week was like, man, that was a long time ago. So you know, I mean, it really was, even though it doesn't seem like it. No, I mean, 2019 feels like it was <laughs> 10 years, not two. I mean, 2020 <laughs> felt like felt like a few years on its own. So, yep. I mean, it's just, it's just not surprising. I mean, I feel like maybe it would make more sense if football was played at the beginning of the year, but it's right. not. So we're literally talking about the end of 2019, and it, it genuinely feels like such a ago. And, I mean, yeah. if you look at the team, there's a lot of differences between then and now as well. I mean – Completely different, honestly. Oh yeah. So, so I mean, you talk about guys like like Jake Luton and, and obviously Jamar Jefferson and, and Isaiah Hodgins. It's a completely different team, and it just feels like that era was so long ago. Uh, but here we are, just two years later. It's it's pretty crazy. No, it certainly is, and and you know it's funny because heading into this game, I even you know kind of alluded to this you know all off season long was, you know the I'm not going to say the the fire of this game, but kind of I think the the luster of this game from kind of the, the payback perspective kind of lost a little bit of its luster once Nick Rolovich left Hawaii and went to Washington state this last year, you know, you go back to that 2019 game, you know, Oregon state should have won that game against Hawaii. That was their, you know, their sixth win. It was in their grasp. It was, you know, obviously the second game of the season, but y'all know what I'm getting at. And you know, that, it was right there. That was a game the Beavers feel that they could have had to go to bowl eligibility. And you mentioned the, the squad of, you know, Jake Luton, Isaiah Hodgins and um, Jamar Jefferson back, back in that team. And, you know, not to mention the, the little recruiting snafu that Rolovich's staff at Hawaii and Oregon state and their staff had. So there was, there was a little bit of a rivalry there. And, you know, I think there were, you know, some Beavers on that 2019 team that, you know, were like, Oh, I can't wait to play the, you know, the warriors again. But as you mentioned, 2020 was, it felt like, I think it felt like many years for a lot of these student athletes. So they're like, oh yeah, remember when we played Hawaii in 2019? So I think it's going to be interesting. And, you know, for what it's worth, Jared, I do think some of the more veteran guys on this team, because there still are a fair amount of guys, do remember that game to Hawaii and potentially maybe, maybe even remember overlooking them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's definitely to say it's Hawaii is a respectable team for sure um, but I think it's a team that Oregon State should beat nine times out of ten and uh, I think there's definitely some some fire still left and if not from the players definitely from uh, from the staff you know, that was probably a game that we've said, we've said it a lot on this podcast on the website that you know that when you look back at it that that's one of the two really winnable games that, that from bowl eligibility that year so definitely probably still some some looming it's, thoughts about that it stings and it probably still stings a little bit probably still stings a exactly. little bit. exactly so hopefully they'll carry that energy into this game despite it being two years feeling like 10 years later and uh we'll, we'll definitely play their best on saturday and just to kind of set the stage again for the rainbow warriors obviously a familiar face back at the helm of uh, the rainbow warriors squad after uh, nick rolovich was obviously hired away before 2020 to lead up the program at washington state uh, Hawaii turned to Todd Graham, former Arizona State head coach, Beaver fans, Pac-12 fans, very familiar with that name. 
Todd Graham was with the Sun Devils, uh, I believe, for five or six years and, uh, you know, had the Sun Devils pretty competitive on the door of, uh, you know, playoff appearances when they were pretty high up in the early to mid uh, 2010s. So, you know, he's a, a solid coach, in my opinion, and, and you kind of saw that, you know, right away after uh, Nick Rolovich left a very good Hawaii team in 2019. Uh, Todd Graham came in year one and was able to get uh, Hawaii to a bowl game last year. Uh, they go, they beat Houston uh, in the New Mexico Bowl. And and it's that, Jared, that successful season last year that makes me say Oregon State has to take this game very, very seriously because this Hawaii team's got talent. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I, I don't want to take that away from them when saying that, that Oregon State should beat them nine times out of ten. I just – I feel like I'm speaking more about the team Oregon State should beat than, than the team Hawaii is. Uh, like you said, I mean, Graham's no pushover. And for anybody to come in and win ten games in, in year one, especially in a weird year like we had, is uh, – it's impressive. It's definitely impressive. Or five games. Five five games from Graham last year. He inherited that team from Rollovich. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, definitely something that you, you can't look over. And uh, like you said, they're, they're no pushover. But Oregon State should should definitely be the favorites going into this game. They should play like the favorites. And, uh, again, I expect to win. You know, they Hawaii's had two games already this season, so they do have a little bit more field time and, and a little bit more experience, I guess, underneath their belt so far. But uh, a game that, you know, still looking at the outcomes of those two previous ones, I feel like Oregon State should win. Absolutely. And again, you know, Shivan Cordero is, you know, the, the quarterback, you know, for Hawaii and he's kind of the, the offense that, or the kind of the straw that stirs the drink him and Calvin Turner on offense are definitely the guys to keep an eye on there. And then linebacker Darius Massow on defense as well. A couple names to keep an eye on, but the thing that's interesting, Jared, is you brought up Hawaii having already played a couple games this season, week one against UCLA, they lose 44 to 10. Is that what I expect from Oregon state? In a world, maybe. I mean, you know, you think then this last week, Hawaii gets their first win of the year. They beat Portland State by 14. And, you know. Take a look at that no, UCLA team, too, though. I mean, they're looking pretty legit. They are. And no disrespect to Portland State, but using that as a barometer, I would like to think Oregon State should, you know, the, the line in this game, Jared, is 11 points with uh, Oregon State being favored. I would be shocked if Oregon State doesn't win this game, you know, by three scores. We'll obviously get into our predictions tomorrow. Make sure to check back to beaversedge.com for Jared and I staff predictions. But just right now at the outset, I think I'd be surprised if they don't win by three scores. I think this is a game where they can kind of flex their muscle a little bit. They should, and it should be one that they use to, to get some momentum going into to the more difficult part of the season, you know, getting into conference play a little bit later on. It's should be a game where they, you know, hopefully figure out who's going to be starting at quarterback. Uh, right. You continue to play well on defense like we were talking about earlier and uh, really get, you know, the pieces to the puzzle in there nice and firm for the rest of the year. Absolutely. And, you know, without further ado, let's go ahead and uh, dive into our three keys to the game. So I'll go ahead and kick it off with the first. So, you know, up first for, for what Jared and I have come together, because we're going we're gonna to combine and do three combined keys today and kind of expand them a little bit. The first one that we've kind of arrived at is just offensive execution. You know, after that Purdue game, I don't know how you can't have offensive execution be kind of your top priority and top goal. And Jared and I kind of have some sub points within this that we want to dive into. But just, you know, first right off the bat for me, it's just the execution. It's, you know, 
quarterback and rhythm, offensive line blocking better, um, uh, you know, receivers, you know, being in the right place, right time, going through the reads as a quarterback. And, you know, I think kind of all those things kind of can encompass a much better offensive performance that game. I think that's crucial. Yeah, no doubt. That's that's a great first point. I mean, the offensive execution is big. One thing that, that I want to highlight is just the, the third down and fourth down conversion. Not where you w- would want it to be. Five and 15 on third down, one of four. Mm-hmm. four. So, I mean, if you're mm-hmm. going to roll that, which I agree with. I mean, I think I think it's something that you should do in, in the situations that they did it in. It made sense. But you've got you've to be able to, to see it through. Uh, so it's one thing to make the call. It's another thing to actually succeed uh, on that. So I, I think they really are going to need to focus on on getting through, getting moving the chains on third or fourth down, hopefully third down, so they won't have to worry about it on fourth, but just really executing when it matters most. Certainly, I think that's, that's a key point. You look at, you know, this last week, Oregon State's fourth down conversion, you know, you mentioned one of four and go back to even thirds. But fourth is the one that really stands out to me because they were at such critical points in the game. And, you know, most notably the very last one when fourth and two inside their, their own 40 and, you know, decide to roll the dice in there. I mean, to be honest, Jared, I mean, not to, not to, you know, you know, dog on the offensive play calling too much, but fourth and two inside your own 40, that's something I'm going for in Madden. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, you know, it's a risk, right? And I think that's the conversation we've seen amongst our subscribers on the damn board this week. One of the really big, you know, kind of debate topics has been, do you risk it or biscuit there? And not only go for it, but then go for the deep, deep play on fourth and two. And and honestly, it's been a good debate, Jared, because I I see good arguments from both sides. And I think that's kind of some of the things that they've got to clean up, you know, going into this week. And, you know, the last point that I kind of want to make, just because I mentioned it briefly, um, is that pass blocking. You know, the run blocking I thought was decent, you know, could be better. But for a group that brought back an entire starting five from a season ago, to have the third lowest pass blocking score, according to Pro Football Focus, which, you know, we get at beaversedge.com, shout out, great service. For it to be the third worst pass blocking score in the Jim Mahalchek Smith era, to more than anything, Jared, it was just surprising and shocking to me. Like I, I, you know, I've said numerous times on this podcast and others, I think Jim Mahalchek's one of the best offensive line coaches on the West Coast, and you can usually, you know, take that to the bank as Oregon State has had a good offensive line. I mean, you go back to even 2018 when the Beavers went two and ten. Jamar, Just- Jamar Jefferson was a freshman All-American, ran for 1,500 and some yards. You know, I mean, that's been a staple ever since the Beavers got here. So that was that was very surprising to me. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a notable stat for sure. I mean, third worst of the Smith era is not where you want to be uh, week one of, of, at this point in the uh, in his you know time at coach. So definitely something you want to improve on this week. Um, you know, I'm not too caught up to speed. Maybe you can give me some inside on, on what Hawaii's defensive line looks like, but maybe this week will be a good opportunity for them to turn that around. Yeah, I think it's it'll be a challenge because, uh, you know, as I as I uh, alluded to in the story and then uh, talking to you before the podcast, Todd Graham's MO, and I think that's part of the reason that, you know, eventually it didn't work out for him at Arizona State, is his MO is on the defensive side of the ball, and it's a very aggressive, 
blitz heavy scheme and near the end of his Arizona state tenure opponents had kind of started to figure out, Hey, you know, this guy's going to send the house all the time, you know, start to work in some, some slants and some screens. And, and I think Arizona state kind of, kind of got landlocked at kind of that glass ceiling. They couldn't quite break through under Graham because of that. So I expect Hawaii to bring a ton of pressure. I, ex- you know, I do not expect them to rush four or five. I expect it to be more like six or seven and really, you know, kind of, especially with Oregon state's kind of quarterback, what do you call it? Carousel right now, you know, yeah. not qu- quite knowing what's going on there. What's the best thing to do to cause more chaos, Jared, send a ton of pressure. So 100%. I, I, so I would be, shocked i think todd graham's gonna say all right sam neuer all right chance nolan you guys want to beat me over the top do it and i i think the beavers are capable with the receivers they have of winning that but they're gonna have to win that one-on-one coverage that we saw guys like tyjon Lindsay, champ flemings um not be able to necessarily make on a routine basis so i think that'll be one of the you know bigger offensive challenges uh, in the game for sure but uh let's kick it over to you jared uh, for the second po- for second key to the victory yeah, yeah. I mean, you talk about offensive execution, uh, and I think, you know, it's it's equally as important for the other side of the ball. Uh, one thing that I want to see, you know, 30 points, like we mentioned, the defense played pretty well. The offense a, a chance to win, but we just want to see them continue to build off of that this week. Want them to uh, really focus on the pass defense, and we'd like to see Hawaii held to less than 300 yards through the air. I think that would be – Super big and, and, you know, super important for the Oregon State secondary. I know there's some people who still aren't fully bought in yet to, to what, who's been rolling out back there. So I think this, is a, this week's a good opportunity to get those guys some momentum. And uh, I really want to see the defense step it up this week. No, that's a, that's a great point, Jared. And, you know, just to kind of piggyback off that a little bit, you know, I think, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think the defense showed a lot of good things. And sans that last play, you take away that last, you know, the last play, the last play where Purdue scored and Oregon State's defense allowed 23 points and, you know, what, 60, I can't remember exactly what that last play was, 60, 50 some yet less yards. And, you know, if it's not, if it's 23 and not 30, you're probably looking at the defensive performance even more differently. Like I look at it as 30 and I'm still looking at it with a glass half full perspective because, you know, with all due respect, Oregon State's defense was on the field the whole game. You know, the time of possession didn't necessarily show that indicatively, but Jared, you just kind of, you know, you knew Oregon State's offense was routinely not in rhythm, couldn't seem to stay on the field super, super long. And when you have a team like Purdue that just kind of, you know, hammered away with their big running back, hammered away, hammered away, kind of tired out the Oregon State defense, you know, Omar Spates talked about it yesterday. You credit Purdue's play calling. They set Oregon State up for, you know, that, hey, you know, looks like we're going to run here. And Oregon State sold out to stop the run, and Purdue scored, and, and that was the ball game. But, you know, I, I still think, you know, compared to years past, you know, this defense has got something. They showed something. And I think if they can, you know, you said hold th- Hawaii under 300 passing yards. I'm going to piggyback off that and say under 300 passing yards, and I'd like them to hold them under 21 points. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really good goal for the team to have, and I think it's super achievable as well. I mean, holding Purdue to thirty, I think you can definitely do Hawaii to less than twenty-one. Another thing that you know, I think the defense could could do a little bit better at week is forcing turnovers. I mean, they great they point. Obviously, they obviously had the 
the Jaden Grant interception last week. Um, but want to see more guys get involved, creating some chaos back there and, and you know, flipping the field and allowing, allowing the offense just to, to stay on the field. Like you said, the time of possession won't show it, but, you know, keeping the ball in the offense's hands and, and you know, allowing them to hopefully run the scoreboard up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how that matchup, you know, between Oregon State's defense and Hawaii's offense will shake out because I think that's, you know, another one of those key key storylines to watch in this one. And then wrapping it up with a third key to the game, in one way or another, I think the third key to the game is simply fans. We talked about it early in the podcast. 665 days since Research Stadium has had fans. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit different with, you know, fans uh, being required to – wear masks and present a uh, proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. But I still expect uh, Research Stadium to be pretty full for the first time in, in two years. I know it's an eight o'clock kickoff, so you might have, you know, might have some, some fans that elect to, you know, just watch it from home. But for the most part, I expect a pretty raucous environment, even with the, the fans that will be there. And I expect it to be an awesome atmosphere. And I think the Beavers need to feed off that. I mean, you talk about something they have not had since senior day 2019 when they knocked off Arizona State by one point in that in you know in that season to close out the home slate that year. I, you know, I, I look at it as the same way as when, you know, NBA teams got fans back, you know, this last year towards things. I look about, you know, how all once fans got back to all different sports you could tell the players were just so, so excited. And it was just like, you know, thankfully, we don't have to play in an empty arena anymore. And I think of, I compare kind of the NBA and, you know, like for instance, the NBA here close to us, Portland Trailblazers, because the West Coast was about the only teams, quote unquote, that never had any fans, you know, at all. So it really was like that whole, you know, fishbowl kind of glass environment. And I think, Having fan, I think it's just going to be a complete game changer, Jared. I really do, dude. One hundred percent. I mean, having the fans in the house is just—it's a huge deal, and and you know, just as much of a key point as it is for the team, I think it's it's just as much for the fans. You know, if you're comfortable going to the game, then this is definitely a challenge for you to to go to the game, and not only that, but but be loud, support the team. Uh, you know, they they need it, and not only do they need it, but like Brendan's saying, they want it and they're excited for it. So, you know, getting getting into that stadium and seeing all the, the orange and black in the stands and, you know, just hearing the yells on third downs and stuff like that, it can make all the difference in the world. It really can. So, I mean, if you want the team to win, if you want to see them play as good as they're capable of playing, do your part. Go out there, support them. Uh, and I think, I think you know, in this this week, I think whether or not it happens, I think we're, we're in luck. But – like I said, just as much of a challenge for the fans as it is the team, and I'm excited to see what the stadium is going to look like this weekend. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. I'm actually checking out to see what we're looking at. So it's supposed to be about a uh, supposed to be a high of a uh, high of 80. Supposed to get down to about 60 degrees. So it should be pretty ideal temperatures for for a night kickoff. You know, all considering in Oregon, and you know, usually an 8 p.m. kickoff. You know. Not always, not always the most uh, ideal, but this early in the year, you know, the weather's still pretty nice around here. I think Beaver fans, you know, it's a little different than, you know, Jared, I'm sure as you've heard many times, you know, the whole bundling up in, in 40 degrees for, you know, late night, you know, November kickoffs. I think Beaver fans like a late night September kickoff a lot more. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's just another reason to go get out there, enjoy the nice weather 
and uh, support Oregon State football for the first time in se- almost 700 days. <laughs> you still can't believe it, man. I can't oh. either. I almost have to pinch myself a little bit. 665 days. It's a little bit different where I'm at, so I, I, I'm not 100% used to, to that because, I mean, the fans were allowed in a limited capacity down here, so just crazy to uh just to see it's been that long i mean that is a long time yeah no no doubt and i tell you one thing jared you're definitely gonna need to be a late owl for your side as that game starts 11 o'clock on on your neck of the woods so it's uh (laughs) it's gonna have to be one uh, you get a wink of sleep for (laughs) yeah and i and i will i'm excited to watch it it's a game i watched in 2019 uh and it was i I couldn't get my eyes off the screen so hopefully Hopefully it will be just as good of a game for different reasons, but definitely I'll definitely do my part, stay up and and, and watch the game for sure. Yeah, and you know just you know, you mentioned it, and uh, I, you know for as much as we mentioned the contest today, Jared, I remember being at that at that game in Hawaii in 2019, and you know just have to say shout out, easily the best road trip to make. Just uh, pretty tough to beat that one. So if anyone's ever ever looking for trips to make, that's a that's a pretty tough pretty tough trip to beat yeah. but um yeah i well, mean takes it, your own podcast, ladies and gentlemen. hawaii is a nice place <laughs> it is and you know getting to go to you know aloha stadium before it was obviously closed down was you know something that was pretty cool but you know i, I just remember the beavers and, and that game and it was so close you know i, I feel like if th- there certainly could be a few few guys on the team that still remember that game even though it has been a while and I think it's going to, you know, you combine that with the fans and the Beavers wanting to get a win. I really do think it's going to be an exciting atmosphere. And then uh, obviously um, even more exciting as well as the Beavers will have some uh, official visitors uh, at Reeser Stadium this weekend, first home game. Uh, make sure to check back to beaversedge.com uh, Friday or Saturday for uh, that information as uh, Jared. Uh, be nice. That's the other thing. Official visitors back for home games this year. Isn't that going to be exciting? Absolutely, man. We're, we're excited to, to get the, the full visitor list plugged into the damn board. So be tuned for that. It's going to be an important one. And, and it, you know, just another reason for fans to want to go out there and uh, support the team. You know, that's that's a big aspect for, for a lot of these kids' decision making is, you know, just seeing what the, the game day atmosphere is like. So go show them what it can be like. Absolutely. And uh, again, make sure to check out beaversedge.com this weekend or leading up to the game this weekend. Obviously, as we'll have. Uh, visitor list. We'll have staff projections. Uh, we'll have the injury report. Um, we'll have our game day hub priming you for the matchup. Again, a late night matchup, eight o'clock Fox sports. One is the, uh, is the channel for Friday or for Saturday night's contest. Going to be a late one under the lights, a little pack 12 after dark for Oregon state. So without further ado, that'll go ahead and wrap up this edition of the edge podcast. We want to thank you guys for listening and supporting the podcast. As always, we do appreciate you and would like you guys to go check out beaversedge.com for even more coverage. So for Jared Hallis, this is Brendan Slaughter signing off on this edition of the edge podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week, previewing Idaho.